my brothers and sisters in the Lord, I don't know if anyone present in church this morning is clinically deaf, but I do believe that many of us at times are very hard of hearing. And I'm not talking about if you're wearing a hearing aid or not. Ask someone to take out the trash. And it's like speaking to that brick wall right there. Ask a child to clean up his or her room. And you would think they had something in their ears in order to block the sound. And they probably do. It's probably earbuds or earplugs or something else tied into some sort of an electronic device. But you see, my brothers and sisters, oftentimes when we speak about being deaf, it's not so much in the clinical sense, but oftentimes it is in the practical sense. And many times we're not only deaf to, to commands and requests, but oftentimes we fail to hear words of affirmation and praise, words of thanksgiving. We fail to hear the spiritual gems, the good news that the Lord wants to communicate to us on the very deepest of levels. You see, my brothers and sisters, it's very important that you and I are able to hear. For one of those spiritual gems is found in our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah writes, your God has come to save you. Did you hear that, my friends? Or were you thinking about something else? Was the mind wandering? Were you focused on God's word? Your God has come to save you, and that's very important. Because no matter what we're facing this day, no matter what we're facing tomorrow, no matter what we're facing at work or at home or at school, our own personal issues, the issues in the world and in the church, our God has come to save us. God makes all the difference. God can make the blind see and the deaf hear and the mute speak. He can completely change our lives if we're open to the message of the gospel. And one of the greatest ways, my brothers and sisters, that God acts in our life is that God has the ability to change hearts. God has the ability to change hearts. That's one of his greatest actions. So often, my brothers and sisters, you and I will pray for a miracle. We will pray oftentimes for a physical miracle. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's something else in our life that we would like God to change. Maybe it's a wrong that we would like God to correct. But oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we fail to recognize that the most profound act of God is not necessarily in the physical realm, but it is at the deepest level of our heart. Because God does change hearts. And that, my brothers and sisters, is one of his greatest miracles that can occur in your life and in mine. I remember the last time I was on pilgrimage to Lourdes. I was sitting there speaking to a very elderly priest who had been stationed at Lord's for a very long time. And he said to me, you know, Father, the greatest miracles that occur here at Lord's are not physical healings. They're not physical healings. The greatest miracles that occur here are when people's hearts are changed. 
And so when people come here to Lourdes, whatever their ailment is, and they're able to come to an acceptance and be able to live their life to the fullest. Or when people come here to Lourdes, and because they have an ill child, instead of that illness tearing the family apart, it brings them together. He says, that's the greatest miracles that I see, are when hearts are changed. I remember in my own personal ministry, not very, very long ago, I was at one of the hospitals, and I went to see a parishioner, and as I was walking down the hallway, a lady was stepping out of the room, and she recognized me, and she said, Father, would you mind coming in? My husband has cancer, and I would like for him to receive the anointing of the sick, and will you pray with us? So I didn't know the woman, but certainly I went in there. I offered the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, and we prayed together, and we spoke for 15 or 20 minutes, and then I departed. About a week later, I received a telephone call. It was the wife. And she said, Father, do you remember coming in and anointing my husband? And she went through the scenario and said, yes, I did. And she told me he had cancer. And I said, he had cancer? She said, yes, he died yesterday. She said, but I want to let you know something, Father. Before you came in and anointed him, before you came in and prayed with him, he was very angry with God. And he was just a miserable person. I'm just going to be very honest with you, she said. She said, but after that prayer and after that anointing, he was like a changed man. Everything in his life had changed, his heart had changed. I have to tell you, we were married over 30 years. She said, and that last week was the best week of our marriage. And then she ended with this, I'll never forget it. She said, God did not cure him of cancer, but God did heal him because God changed his heart. That's what God can do, my friends. And so as we come to this church this morning, we ask ourselves, what kind of miracle are we looking for? What kind of miracle are we searching for? Are we looking for God to change something physically in our life? Or are we looking for God to change our heart? For whatever it is that we've cut off from God, whatever it is that needs to be changed or renewed or transformed. We see it in the gospel today. Notice where it says, very specifically that a group of people brought to Jesus a, de a deaf man who had a speech impediment. Now, when the early church would have read this, would have contemplated on the scripture, they would have seen themselves as that group of people because that's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be able to bring others to Jesus because they knew Jesus had the power to heal him. And so they saw themselves as that group of people. But notice what happens after. Very interesting. They bring him to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He, Jesus, took him off by himself away from the crowd. The people brought him to Jesus. There's this huge crowd that has gathered around Jesus, and Jesus takes the man off by themselves. Why? because the man had to have a very deep and personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus had to take him away from the crowd in order for this to occur. And when the early church would have contemplated the scripture, my friends, what they would have read here is that Jesus took the man away from the crowd, but he didn't take the man away from the church. 
In fact, he took the man deeper into the heart of the church by taking him away from the crowd so that he could experience the presence of God on that very deep and intimate level. And how do we discern this by what happens next? He put his fingers into his ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Epitha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed. Does that remind you of something, my brothers and sisters? It's a prefiguration of the sacraments. Because what is a sacrament? A sacrament is an external sign of a very powerful, invisible reality. It is a channel through which the grace of God flows. That's how the early church would have seen this encounter. We still have the epithorite at baptism, where we take the infants and we touch the ears and the lips so that they may hear the word of God and so that they may proclaim their faith as they continue to mature. In the sacraments of the church, my brothers and sisters, we have an intimate encounter with Jesus. But do we have ears that hear? That's why the man had to be taken away from the crowd so he could focus on Jesus. As we come here around this altar, do we hear as the Holy Spirit is called down upon the bread and wine? Do we hear these, those words, take this all of you and eat of it. This is my body which is given up for you. Do we hear the words when we go to confession? I absolve you of these and all of your sins. When we go to a baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit or an anointed or any of the other sacraments, do we take the time to hear the words? Because the words are the words of Jesus, speaking deeply in our heart. And the man had to be taken away from the crowd because the crowd, my friends, often represents the noisiness of the world and all the distractions that are around us and everything that causes us to take our eyes off of Jesus and be focused on something else that we think is more important at the moment. And so the man goes away with Jesus so that Jesus could speak to him, so that Jesus could heal him. And you see, my brothers and sisters, the Lord wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to touch our hearts, but we have to go away with the Lord. And oftentimes, my friends, we do that by our act of faith. How much faith? Well, we hear it in the gospel. Faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds known at that time. A little bit of faith causes great miracles. But sometimes, my friends, we sort of get down on ourselves. We kind of think that, you know, I just don't have enough faith. If I just had a little more faith, God would work this miracle. We kind of think like faith is the odometer in our car. And if I only hit 65 miles an hour on that faith, God's going to work. I remember not long ago, this woman came in, and she was legally blind. She walked with a cane. And when she came in, she was telling me her story, and she was sobbing. She belonged to a prayer group. And some of the ladies in the prayer group had told her that if you only had more faith, God's going to heal you of your blindness. And she was crying because she said, I don't know how to have more faith. So I looked at her and I said, well, this is what you need to do. When you go back to that prayer group, you have that cane with you? She said, yes. Take that cane and hit that woman on top of the head. And say to her, if she had more faith, it wouldn't hurt. 
You see, my brothers and sisters, sometimes we lay burdens on ourselves or on others that are even heavier than the Lord has laid. A little bit of faith works great miracles. And in order to have that, my friends, as Jesus looks in the gospel, we have to have what I like to refer to as the epitha moment. Epitha, he says to the man, that is be opened. The epitha moment, my friends, where we are opened to God's word, that we are open to the movement of the spirit, that we are open to the gem that someone else is going to speak to us because we're present to other people. Epitha, that is be opened. And when we are open, my friends, our heart is changed and we are renewed. So whatever we face this day, however hard it may be, the Lord says to us, Epitha, that is, be opened, and remember, I am with you until the end of the age. Whatever difficulty it may be, no matter how scared or frightened we may be, the Lord says to us, Epitha, that is, be opened, remember my words, be not afraid. But in order to have that Epitha moment, my friend, we have to go away with Jesus, away from the crowd, away from the noisiness of the world, away from all of our concerns, and we need to sit in the presence of the Lord, and we need to allow the Lord to touch our hearts. Because that, my friends, is the greatest miracle. When a heart is changed, and we are able to rest in the abiding presence of our God. Epitha that is, be open.